You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Hello and welcome into Big Noon Sports. Max Coulter with you, longtime sportscaster in the state of Alabama and noted author, uh, the pen man, the word man. Lars Anderson is joining us as well. All is good. All is hot, Lars. Later this week, they say our heat index in Alabama may be at 118, 118 degrees. Um, sounds like a good time to pull up the TV set, the remote, and Put your feet up and stay in the stay in the den. Uh, how are things going for you on this heated Wednesday afternoon? Things are terrific, and uh, it's also a good time to you know always check on your pets because uh, they can overheat if they're left outside for a very short amount of time. Good to check on uh, your neighbors, especially the most vulnerable, elderly uh, in your neighborhood, just to make sure that everything is okay. And uh, because you know, Matt, that uh, air conditioners tend to go out at the worst possible time. Don't say that, Lars. <laughs> Don't they, say that. Mine's do. old, but it works great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, hopefully it can make it through these next uh, few days, next week or so, because uh, it is going to be a, a heat wave uh, unlike few we've seen in recent history in the at this time of the year usually it's a little bit later in the year but we are about ready to flip the calendar to july uh, and july and august uh, to me those are those are the roughest months like you know people don't understand <laughs> you know my, when i explain to my friends across the country it's like you know when I was living in Minnesota, like we didn't go outside the month of January because it was so freaking cold, right? And uh, in Alabama, it's almost like you don't go outside or you limit your outside uh, activities as much as possible in July and August because it is so insanely hot. And I, I've, I remember thinking when I moved here, I, I was dumb enough. I, I decided in one of these heat waves just to do that five mile run on, on Lakeshore, uh, right in front of Sanford. And we are going to be talking to the Sanford AD here in a few minutes, but, uh, I figured, Hey, I can do five miles. No problem in this heat. And I, I about died. I mean, seriously, I, and I'd ran a marathon before and like this five mile run was more challenging. So yeah, everybody needs to be safe. And do, do you remember when you have actually been the hottest? Like, do, do you remember a time when, uh, you're, you just absolutely were, uh, overheated and it didn't have to do with sports, but you just, your, your living arrangement? Um, I'll tell you one thing. I went to summer school at the University of Alabama. I believe it was the summer of 80, maybe 81. I believe it was 80. But the thermometer hit 100 plus for 10 straight days. And walking to class was a struggle. Um, I will say this, and I hope I don't get cast as being disrespectful towards our female gender. Uh, the one positive about it is that everybody was just 
wearing two pieces of clothing. You know, that was yeah. it. I mean, there were, you go to school, you, you go into class barefoot. It was so, uh, so awfully hot. And Tuscaloosa gets that way. And I truly think Tuscaloosa gets hotter and more humid as the state really, really does, but maybe more so than any other part of our state. It just seems to move in from the west and just sit on top of Tuscaloosa. But I do remember those 10 days in summer school, and it was just absolutely impossible to deal with. Well, can't say that. I made it through. But Did you have air conditioning in your junior high and high school in Alabama? Uh, we, did not, we, we did not in I, Nebraska. Well, I'm not sure y'all needed it as much, but um, I don't think we had it in elementary school. Junior high school, back then our schools were growing so fast. Now I was growing up in Huntsville that a lot of our classes had to be held in, you remember portables? Yeah. Um, and they dang sure didn't have any air conditioning. And that's a metal hot box. Yeah. So I, I remember that being very, it was, it was extremely hard to take. And, and honestly, um, I was a pretty good student, but it was hard to concentrate. Um, and then that's back in the day where I was playing sports, you know, 12 months a year and practicing in this stuff was, was brutal. What about you? <laughs> I've got a couple from, from actual sporting events too I can jump into. Yeah. Now, there were some times that, um, gosh, I don't know if I can tell the story on air, but there were times when, uh, I was, you know, in my twenties and I would let various people crash on my couch. Like if they're in town for a few days or if they were just moving to New York and, and, you know, they were trying to find their own spot. Well, I had just one friend and we, uh, we just, his nickname is Vinny. And Vinny, um, when I went to college with him and he ends up, uh, I'm thinking he's going to stay for, you know, two, three days. And here we are like six months later. Wow. We're like in the dead of summer. And I, of course, have no air conditioning. I don't even have a window unit in my main room. I have a window unit in my in my bedroom, my tiny, tiny, tiny little bedroom. Uh, but where he was staying, there was nothing. And one evening, uh, I came home to the apartment with a with a with a young lady uh, at like eleven o'clock, and I opened the door, and I saw something that I can't unsee. <laughs> there was a big fan just blowing on my buddy, and my buddy yells, so I would shut the door. Naked, 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 naked. <laughs> well, that's one way to... Yeah, yeah. and so there he is, just like completely naked on my uh, futon, <laughs> right? And I'm like, I think I need to get rid of this futon now. <laughs> I got to... Oh, you needed to get rid of Vinny. <laughs> yeah. Vinny, Vinny, uh, after that little exchange, uh, he was not long for my apartment. And I think he still actually lives in New York. He lives in, uh, in Harlem now. But, uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. It, it just, it would just be so ridiculously hot in, in the summers. And, uh, in, in, it, the, the, it would smell really bad, right? In August in, in New York City. But, but half of the city is gone uh, out to uh, Long Island or up to the Cape or wherever. People with money actually leave. Uh, those of us who don't had to stay and endure it. But, 
Yeah, how about at a sporting event that you covered? Boy, there's nothing worse than, than being hot, being really, really hot. And especially for you, going on air. I mean, it's one thing to sort of sit and write while you're just absolutely sweating. But how about you? When you Have you ever had to go on air and just... Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're just dripping? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can remember uh, when I was first starting out at Tuscaloosa, Channel 33, um, the air conditioning went out in the studio. And Dave Baird and I were just sitting there and reading our scripts and it, sweat just dripping on the scripts. We didn't have a teleprompter. And... The other time, other couple of times is I covered a Tampa Stallions game in like 83 and it must have had a heat index of about 120. Uh, players were so gassed that they couldn't do interviews afterwards. Um, it was amazing. But one time I do remember it was hot and then I had to go on television. Uh, another instance was, um, in 84 when the PGA was at Shoal Creek. It was in August and it was so hot. Uh, I'm sitting there trying to enter. I remember Greg Norman coming off 18, trying to get an interview with him. And he was absolutely exhausted. And so was I. And I think I asked two questions and we moved on. But uh, the one thing I remember always doing, and this should go of note to everyone listening, is hydrate. Even if you don't think you're thirsty, your body is sweating and the humidity will literally evaporate it off your skin so fast that you don't even realize it, but you're losing water. So please hydrate. So there's our hot stories for the day. Have you got yeah. one sporting event that you just <laughs> remember dripping? Um. Yeah, I think it was like uh, a, a race at uh, Chicagoland. I don't even know. Does NASCAR even visit there anymore? I don't think they do. They do but, this week, but it's in the streets. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, being uh, outside with all that concrete and, you know, there's no place to escape it. And, uh, and it was just, it was just ridiculously hot. Like in, you know, uh, I think it was, that race was usually in August at some point. But, um, yeah, there, there have been several, uh, man, some college football games that have been really warm. But, uh, yeah, nothing really jumps out other than those experiences in, in New York, especially with Vinny. Uh, <laughs> that uh, uh, I'll never forget. Oh, but, I forgot but, yeah. about one, and that's when uh, NASCAR races in Talladega were in August. Can you imagine that? On the no. asphalt? On pit road? Uh, no. That, no. actually, that, that the, uh, the glue that held my shoes together melted, and I had to walk around flopping for four hours but wow uh they finally uh they finally moved that race to spring and then to the late fall so uh that was very very helpful I, we would i remember uh photographer greg screws we had on yesterday we would literally weigh and lose three or four pounds that was mm -hmm. incredible hey martin newton and sanford bulldogs he of course the son of the famed coach and athletic director and C.M. Newton. He's going to join us on the other side of the break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Dead battery. 
Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot afternoon with a sunny sky, the high today 95. Fair tonight, the low 70. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, the high 99. And Friday, partly sunny, a few isolated afternoon storms are possible, the high near 100. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 91 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, Sepp running the controls. Sepp Shirey back in Tuscaloosa at our flagship station. Joining us now is uh, Sanford Athletic Director Martin Newton. And we got a lot of things to talk about him. But, uh, Martin, welcome into the show. It's been a long time since we've spoken, although we did uh, send a couple of texts here over the last couple of days. How are you, man? I am doing great, Matt. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. And, uh, I look forward to catching up with you. It's been a long time. It really has, but uh, what really called my attention and what's going on there off Lakeshore was the fact that uh, you guys ran the table. Uh, <laughs> baseball, basketball, football, conference champs. I don't know if I've ever heard of that in my life. You know, it, it, it's been a phenomenal year. It's funny, I walked into the office yesterday and I... I saw both the Commissioner's Cup, which is the, the Southern Conference All-Sports Trophy for the men's sports, and the German Cup, which is the Southern Conference All-Sports Trophy for the women's sports, staring me right now, and I thought, man, that was a pretty great year. And then you start looking back at all the things, the 11 championships we won out of our 17 sports, and you go, how did we do that again? I mean, it was a lot of luck, a lot of uh, perseverance, a lot of guys doing a lot of good things. Uh, Martin, um I, I, we talked to Greg Byrne a few times uh, about the influence that his dad, Bill Byrne, had over him and the fact that Bill Byrne was uh, such a successful athletic director both at, at Nebraska and Texas A&M. And, and Greg really just, you know, it's as long as he can remember, remember seeing his dad just sort of perform different roles. What, what influence did your father have over you and in guiding you to want to be involved uh, in athletics, you, you know it's interesting because Greg and I have similar backgrounds in some cases. Although he went right into college athletics, but you know my dad. First of all, he was my my hero. He was my role model. I looked up to him. Everything he did, he's just such a such a class act, and I miss him miss him every day. But he, he had a lot of influence on me, and different than you might think. Because I remember coming out of college thinking I wanted to be a, a basketball coach, and he pretty much talked me out of it uh, he was the coach at the time he was at Vanderbilt and basically just said yeah that that's really not an option for you you need to go do something else uh, so I took a different direction into the sports world and, and got in with Converse and uh, and Nike spent 26 years in sports college basketball or college athletics sports marketing so I kind of went a totally different direction and uh, 
really didn't get into college athletics until he was out of college athletics. And so it, it was a, it was a little bit of a different type of role model in that he didn't necessarily encourage me to get into college athletics. But once I got into it, he, he really supported me. And, and I will tell you this, he, he supported me more at the level that I'm at as opposed to the level that Greg's at at the Power Five because he just said, I'm going to be honest with you. And Greg will not say this publicly, but I, my guess is they're not having a lot of fun sometimes, right? They're great jobs and they're unbelievably prestigious, but, man, they're hard jobs. In order to sweep the SOCON like you did in, in men's basketball, baseball, and football, um, you got to have great athletes at Sanford. That means you truly are a great student athlete. Uh, but it comes to coaches, I, and I know one that you've added here in the last couple of years was Bucky McMillan. Just talk about your coaches, because uh, it's it's so hard to win a conference championship. But three three different coaches is amazing. Yeah, it, it really was a special year. And Bucky has been such a... a an important part of that process. You know, Bucky's just a winner. And, and it's funny because I, I watched him in high school right here at Mountain Brook High School and watched what he he did to build that program really out of nothing. I mean, that was more of a football school. You think of Major Ogilvy and all the, the great football players that have come out of that school. But I'm up until Bucky got there, you probably couldn't name one basketball player that came out of there. And, and what he did to build that program and how passionate he was about – staying there once he built it he had opportunities to leave to go be assistant coaches at the college level or to go to other high schools but uh, Bucky's extremely loyal he's unbelievably competitive and so watching him and then, then when I finally got a chance to sit down and actually talk to him about basketball and and I, I told uh, I told several people this, that he reminds me of, of a young Rick Pitino he's got that mindset the way his mind works the analytics behind it the the I don't want to say brashness, but the willingness to take chances and risk and do things differently. And I, I tell you what, he's building over here on Lakeshore Drive is incredible. I mean, we've got the Birmingham community has gotten behind him, and uh, uh, we've got kids that uh, that get what it means to be a student first. They're graduating. We, we also, not only did we win the, those two trophies, we also won the graduation success rate in the Southern Conference with a 98% graduation success rate. So he... He's just building it the right way, and I, I couldn't be uh, I couldn't be more proud of him. Uh, is there a thread that sort of sews and binds uh, the football, baseball, and basketball programs together? Be it uh, the, the coaches that you have assembled, uh, or you know just how they run their programs? Do you see similarities? I, you know, I, it's interesting that you ask that question because when I when I first and look, I've made more coaching hire mistakes than I have gotten right. I mean, it's not an exact science. And my dad used to say, as a coach, you're fired when you're hired. They just don't write the date in, right? So, I, the one decision that I made after many mistakes was that I was not going to hire another assistant coach. I was going to hire somebody that had had head coaching experience. Uh, at the Division One level, I just think it's really difficult to move from that assistant's chair to the head coaching chair. You've got to – I wanted somebody that had ran their own program and that knew who they were as a head coach rather than trying to figure out who they were uh, as a head coach. You know, we've had a very successful women's athletic program here. We're, we consistently win the German Cup, which is the all-sports for the women's. And so getting our men's programs right, football, basketball, and baseball, was really important because – 
what that does then it just completely changes the entire culture of not only your department but school spirit on your campus and i think that's uh we've been very fortunate in the three coaches we've got in hatcher and tony david who's in his second year who won not only the regular season championship but the the tournament championship in baseball and then bucky uh it, we've been very fortunate in having really good leaders in those three sports I, i'm almost positive that you don't employ a search firm right when you are looking for a coach uh so is is it just you and is there are there qualities other than just uh being a a current head coach are are there qualities that you're looking for i think the main thing is is because sanford is a private christian institution you have to have somebody that understands and and gets the mission of the university we're not like every other school we're not like uab or alabama or montevallo we're, we're just a different school and, and so i think understanding that mission understanding the importance of and, and every school understands academics so i don't i'm not talking down to anybody else we all are here they're student athletes first work our primary job is to graduate these student athletes but but really understand the challenges from an academic standpoint that we have at Sanford I think that's really important because if you can't embrace those two things then you're really not going to be successful long term here uh, and I think that's one of the things when when I sit down and, and our staff sits down and we talk to people um, you know we, we really those are you kind of get a feel for their sense of do they understand those things first and foremost and then you know I'm I'm smart enough to know that I'm not very smart. I need a lot of help. I need a lot of people telling me, you know, I, I pick a lot of people's brains. Greg Byrne, I, I pick his brain all the time and ask him questions about different coaches and, and just different people that I've met throughout the industry. But at the end of the day, it comes down to that gut feeling and that relationship between the head coach and the athletics director as whether or not you're going to move forward or not. Sanford's athletic director, Martin Newton, is our guest here on Big Noon Sports. <clears throat> just a quick note. Um, my first year in television in Tuscaloosa was your dad's last at Alabama. And I remember going over there to do my first ever interview with a major head coach. I mean, I was, I was a little bit on the nervous side, but I had a job to do. And I went into that office and I sat down and your dad got up from behind the desk and he came over there and he shook my hand and I didn't even have to introduce myself. He already knew who I was and man, did that ever make me feel more comfortable. And we sat and he said, let's just talk for a minute and we'll turn the cameras on. And we did. And that was just, that was CM Newton. That was yeah. his mantra. That's the way he operated. And I, I'm, I'm saying thank you to him through you, but it really meant a lot early in my career, which brings me to my question. At what time or what age did you realize that, uh, who your dad was and was it, I know there had to have been times where it was difficult. You, you know, that, um, <laughs> It's an interesting question because I remember at an early age, especially in Tuscaloosa, because when, when we first got to Tuscaloosa, I was in the second grade, so I, I wasn't aware. But then once they got it going at Alabama, and, and, you know, you have to think back, they got it going with in-state talent and predominantly African-American uh, in-state talent, right? True. And so there were people back this was back in the 70s there's a lot of people that didn't appreciate that I, I mean remember having a cross burned in our yards and and i remember some of the you know comments that you would hear at school about people talking about your dad and i think at that point i realized okay what he does is in the public eye i mean people are recognizing who he is and what he does and so uh, it, it was through those experiences that i kind of realized yeah he's got he doesn't have your normal job i mean he's got a little bit of a different job and and then as he 
as he got <clears throat> into his career, especially at Vanderbilt and then at Kentucky with the men's basketball committee and the USA basketball and all those things. Then I kind of started realizing this guy's, a, you know, he's a little bit of a big shot. But the thing about dad was he never changed. It didn't matter who you were, whether you were Matt Coulter just starting or Matt Coulter, a veteran of, you know, 30 plus years and the, and, and the person that you are. And it didn't matter with him. You were, you were important. And so I think, um, I, I think that's one of the things I learned from him more than anything is that everybody matters uh, and everybody fits into the scheme of things. Uh, do you have to deal much with NIL and, uh, and also do you, um, just what are your thoughts in general when it comes to NIL and the, and the power fives and, and what is happening, uh, with, uh, just this sort of free spending, free agency essentially, uh, going on in, in major college athletics? Well, to answer your first question, yes, we have to deal with it. Um, you know, being in, being in Division One athletics, it doesn't matter what level you're at, you have to deal with it. Now, you're dealing with it at a different, obviously different zeros and different commas, but we are definitely dealing with it. Where it really affects us is the Power Five schools coming down and raiding your rosters. And, you know, a couple of years ago in baseball, uh, we lost three players uh, in key three players that ended up helping an SEC team go to the College World Series a year ago. Um, that were key components to what we were trying to do, and we lost them because of NIL dollars. Uh, they love their experience at Stanford. They love being here, but we just couldn't compete with the NIL dollars. We've lost some basketball players uh, to NIL dollars. So we deal with it more in the transfer portal than we do anything else. Uh, we do have some NIL opportunities for our student-athletes, and, and, and they've taken advantage of them, but it's not near what you what you read about or what you hear some of these collectives at the Power Fives are. Um, my opinion on NIL is, is it's, it's, it is what it is and it's not going to change. So I can either not like it and grumble about it and be upset with it or I can accept it and realize that it's part of today's college athletics. We got there for a reason, right? It didn't happen because, well, the student athletes just woke up one day and said, you know, we need to get paid. When you're paying coaches the amount of money that coaches are making and the revenue that's associated with college athletics today, it was kind of a, you knew it was going to happen at some point, right? So uh, I, I don't necessarily love it, but I also understand it. And, and I, I just, we've got to figure out ways around it. And we've got to figure out ways to make this work so that all 50 states are on the same page so that we're not competing. Texas has one set of rules and Alabama has another set of rules. There's got to be some type of as much of a level playing field as you can as it relates to those state laws. All right, I save the best and most difficult question for last year, Martin. 2022-23 Alabama basketball team as opposed to the 76 team that should have and actually did beat Indiana. You want to tackle uh, that, that one? Oh man, I you know, that that's a tough question right there. I'm going to get a lot of people mad at me. Look, I'm biased, right? I thought that team that lost to Indiana was was the first or second best team in the country mm-hmm. without it. I thought that, that that was an unbelievable team. Bad. I still remember the call, the, the block they called on Leon Douglas as opposed to the charge or vice versa uh, against Kent Benson. Although I got to tell you, being on the basketball committee this year and getting to watch Alabama firsthand and watch them in a different, not watch them necessarily as a fan, but watch them as a, okay, you're getting ready to put this team in the tournament and see them. This was a really good Alabama basketball team. I, 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 
uh, it would be an interesting matchup. I'll put it to you that way. It would be a really interesting matchup. I think the difference was... Well, I was a student then. I'm sorry. No, this Alabama basketball team what? This Alabama basketball team this year had, had youth, though. They were led by young players, whereas that Alabama basketball team in 76 was a little bit more experienced. So I'm going to give them the nod based on experience. you got to have experience once you get to the tournament. And it didn't help to have Mule and uh, T.R. God, what a play. I could go on and on about that team. They were just uh, they were unbelievable, and I lean in that direction, too. Although I think we'd both get outvoted. Uh, well, Martin, we're, hey, at thanks. Matt, we're old. We're showing our age. <laughs> we, yeah, we really are. Uh, Martin, Great. We need to do this again soon before football season cranks up. We appreciate your time. Guys, I appreciate y'all. Take care of yourself, and thanks for what you do to promote sports, not just Alabama sports, but Stanford sports as well. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Martin. All right. Good, good guy and Hall of Fame dad. He's a Hall of Fame guy, too. So, anyway, our thanks. Hopefully when we come back, I think they're having a media day at the USFL. So I don't know where we fall into that shuffle. But Jay Sternberger, our tight end, and I mean that, our tight end for the Stallions and our tight end for Big News Sports. He's, he's, become, be our, he's, he's become our correspondent, I think. He, he's, uh, he's our USFL Birmingham Stallion insider correspondent. Him and, him he's, and become, he's become our Robbie Glenn. Yeah, and... Uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the streak is still going. After every time he has talked to us, he has scored a touchdown the following yep. weekends. And I saw him live at uh, Protective Sunday night. All right, when we get back, hopefully we'll connect with the Stallions tied in. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Don't miss the... Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Yori, Grayson, and Mizzenamane. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamane dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Back on Big Noon Sports, time for our Stallions update with our Stallions correspondent slash 
All-USFL tight end Jay Sternberger is joining us. They'll be going up to Canton tomorrow, I think it is. Is that right, Jace? You travel tomorrow? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Tomorrow afternoon. You know, I'm going to bring it up again, but since you've been joining us, your numbers just continue to grow and grow and grow. Um, you had another touchdown. You had another touchdown catch. I think it was the first one of the game. I was I was there with my son. It was very enjoyable. But you've led the league in receiving touchdowns for what quite a while. But now you are leading it in total yardage. Uh, you got 33 catches for 517 yards, and now one of the more impressive is yards after contact. You've got 100 and 177. So your year continues to prosper, and yes, Big Noon Sports is taking all the credit. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Uh, so how how you feeling after the game and going into this week? Uh, well, honestly, I feel good. Uh, everybody's excited. You know, it's a short week, but we really haven't even, uh, you know, we, we kind of flipped the page pretty quick. We didn't celebrate the, the semifinal win too much. Uh, I think we started celebrating probably the third quarter, I would think. And uh, so we kind of got it out of the way there. And, uh, like I said, we've just been focused on Pittsburgh. And uh, this we knew this kid told us from the beginning that this week was going to go by pretty fast. And it already has, like, said, you know, we're already leaving tomorrow. So, uh, like I said, I think we're all just ready for it to finally be here already. Back in uh, week four on May 7th, uh, you guys played uh, the Maulers. And uh, thanks to uh, Deion Kane's 91-yard uh, kickoff return for a touchdown midway through the fourth, helped propel you, Birmingham, to a 24-20 win over the Maulers. So now we have a rematch of that game. And uh, what, what do you remember from the first time you played the Maulers? And, uh, I mean, you know... Look, on paper, you, you guys are the prohibitive favorite. Uh, the, the Maulers still don't have a winning record. They're at five and six. However, this is a dangerous team you're playing. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. It's a dangerous team. Um, luckily for us, we didn't play very good the first time we played them. And uh, so we're not even really getting caught up in the, the record or anything. We're more trying to improve on what we did last time. And I think we had... I mean, Alex would tell you that's probably his least favorite game of the year. I think he threw two picks in the first quarter. Uh, we didn't have any warm-up. It sounds crazy, but it was literally like a middle school game out there in the sense of we had no warm we had no warm-up because this was the first time that it was a back-to-back game. So the Breakers and Generals, they played literally. They got done, and we, we kicked off 30, 40 minutes later. So we literally all went on the field. We had like a 10-minute warm-up. Uh, our headsets were broke for the first first half. It was just it was chaotic, very stressful, very stressful, and we could we couldn't get in the routine. And uh, like I said, Pittsburgh came ready to play, so I mean, like they can, they embarrass our offense the first game. So you know, we're more worried about ourselves and redeeming ourselves and getting you know playing how really how we played last week. But we we have to do that again this week, and that's what that's our goal is uh, you know be better than we were last time. Uh, yeah, we, you know, like I said, we don't get caught up in the record. I, I mean, it speaks for itself. Um, I mean, the North is three and thirteen in this year against the South. They're zero and four against the South. Um, like I said, you can win. Any, anybody can win at this point. So, like I said, you can't really get caught up in all the records in the past. But uh, like I said, I think if we go out there and do what we're, we're supposed to do, like I said, it'll it'll be a good one for us. Chase, if I could just follow up really quick. 
about warm-ups. I, I, I've talked to a bunch of different players over the years, and it's almost universal. Like, they really value a, the warm-up. Like, the warm-up period is, is a, extremely important, and it almost, like, if you have a good warm-up, it almost predicts that you're going to have a good game. Are you that way? Like, can you tell in, in warm-ups, like, ah, oh, the body's feeling good, everything feels on, uh, just uh, again, how important are the is that warm up time to you? Uh, I, I hear what you're saying on some of the on some on some of the reasons why people think warm ups important. Uh, for me, it's more of a timing thing because I don't go out. I go out pregame, but I don't like throw the ball. Me and Alex don't play catch or anything. Like, so when I'm out of warm ups, that's like the first time me and Alex get to play catch with each other during the day. And honestly. The, it's like the warm up, the, the pregame music, seeing the other players. Like it, it just gives you a little longer for that adrenaline to build. Like, cause I try to stay as calm as I can on game days. But then once I'm on the field, it's like, okay, now it's time to go. It's time to get in that in that killer mode. And then you know, just having that warm up, that little 45 minute warm up, getting able to, like I said last week, that's what. I, I mean, Grant, we were already determined that we were going to come out on a mission, but I mean. New Orleans, they're trying to fight us pregame, and it does like I just kind of like I said, it just it just leaves opportunity for things to happen and uh, just build that adrenaline and make it even more exciting. So I I like the anticipation of warm up. That's why I like it. It just helps the timing of everything, you know. Like it's okay. This is how it's, it's part of the routine. I know you mentioned that it's all about your execution now on offense, but. <clears throat> In that vein, Pittsburgh does have maybe the best defense in all of the USFL, although yours yours ain't bad. Um, did they do anything different in game one, or was it more y'all's lack of execution? No, they uh, they have a, they had a great game plan. You know, they, they they played really deep in the secondary, like really, really deep. They didn't want our, our skill guys to get past them. Uh, and like I said, they're very fundamentally sound, so it's like, if you don't beat them, if you don't execute, you know what I'm saying, you're really not going to move the ball because it's like they're not going to mess up. You just got to go win. And uh, are you guys uh, – I assume you're flying up to Canton, Ohio, correct? Yeah. All right, that's good. Yeah. Uh, are you going to have a chance to uh, go through the, the NFL Hall of Fame? Yeah, yeah, I'll sneak over there this time. I did it last time, but we have an extra day because we're leaving tomorrow, so I'll definitely sneak out there this week. Is there any uh, exhibit or any player that you uh, are really looking forward to see there in the hall? Uh, not right now. I'm sure there will be. Obviously, just because me and me and uh, Thaddeus Moss are good friends, obviously I want to see Randy Moss now. I mean, I've always been a Randy fan, but now, now, now it's like that's his dad. You know, pretty cool. Well, it ought to be an adventure. Um, I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, I guess I will use the word, but you were uh, not with the Stallions when they won it last year. You are this year. Uh, does the word repeat fly around at all, or are you just so focused on Pittsburgh you don't think about that? Uh, I mean, I haven't heard it. I mean, we hear it from other people, but, like, the guys on the team, everybody kind of knows this is, a, this is a complete different team than last year. Just literally the whole dynamic, everything's different. And, uh... So it's kind of hard to talk about last year, you know, other than the stuff that they won. And, you know, we, we still have guys on the team who were on that team last year, too. So you can't take that away. And we're happy for them. But uh, we, we're really just focused on winning it this year. 
And what has been uh, Coach Holtz's message to you guys this week? Just, we have to play our football. Just do what we do. Do well, the little things right. Go do what you do so well. Um, yeah. And I saw the announcement today from uh, the president and commissioner of USFL, uh, Daryl Johnston, that there's without question going to be a third season. And uh, I'll be very honest with you, I don't think we're going to see you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. <laughs> you bet. Have a safe flight. Y'all play yeah. hard. We'll be watching. Yeah. And we'll talk next thanks week. Guys. Yeah, we'll thanks talk Monday. Guys. All right. Touchdowns are coming. All right. Thank yeah. you, Chase. All right. All right. Uh, Jay Sternberger tied in, the uh, all-USFL tied in for the Birmingham Stallions. They leave for Canton tomorrow and play Saturday night at 7 o'clock on NBC. All right, let's uh, take another break. Uh, we're going to talk some Alabama at the top of the hour with uh, Bama 24-7 zone, Mike Rodak. We will do that. And there's several other topics we need to touch on, and including some baseball statistics. Statistics? Did I just say that, Lars? <laughs> Statistics. Um, yeah. That I'll throw your way on the other side of the break. And there is there is some breaking news in Alabama basketball. That we'll oh, that's on. true. We need to lead with that. That that is literally big news. You're listening to Big News Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Dad back. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley. Luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot afternoon with a sunny sky, the high today 95. Fair tonight, the low 70. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, the high 99. And Friday, partly sunny, a few isolated afternoon storms are possible, the high near 100. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 93 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. It's Matt and Lars and Sepp. Appreciate you dialing us in. Sepp just sent out some uh, pretty big news in Alabama basketball, Lars. Yeah, Alabama, it's now uh, official that um, that one of their top targets uh, of this offseason, Grant Nelson, 6'11 forward from North Dakota State, is uh, officially going to be joining the Crimson Tide and, um, you know, he had been wavering between, uh, Alabama and Arkansas. Um, he, this, this kid is a really good player. Really good. Uh, again, 6'11. He's from a town with a great name, Devil's Lake. 
Uh, it's about 7,000 people, just three hours from Winnipeg, Canada, up in, uh, up in North Dakota, North Dakota. And, um, and so now, uh, he uh, he made his commitment uh, officially made his commitment uh, just a couple hours ago about an hour ago uh, and it was uh, Jeff Goodman who uh, who broke the story and Jeff does a great job of uh, covering college basketball has for years but now so this is uh, the 11th scholarship player on the roster and as we know this roster has been really turned over uh since uh, the sweet 16 exit from the ncaa tournament and uh according to 24 7 sports transfer portal rankings and we're going to talk more with mike rodak about this uh mike rodak has written and covered this story extensively for 24 7 sports but according to 24 7 uh nelson was the top ranked available player in the transfer portal so i i think he really is a critical summer addition to uh this alabama roster and um and uh he uh um he, he uh, spent his first three seasons at North Dakota State. Then he declared for the NBA draft, the 2023 NBA draft, while maintaining his eligibility. He then with uh, entered the transfer portal on May 2nd and then withdrew from the draft on May 30th, which led to the transfer decision this week. And... Um, he uh just i mean you just look at his his numbers again he's 611 so he's a big guy uh he was a first team all summit selection last year uh led uh the the bison um, what a great nickname by the way uh led the the North Dakota State bison uh 17 9 points per game 9.3 rebounds uh, from from threes, he's a career thirty point seven percent shooter. Um, so uh, you know he's a big man who who can uh, shoot the ball, and I, I think he just he fills an immediate need there in the front court after Noah Clowney and, and Betty Ako uh, both entered and remained in the NBA draft pool. Uh, as we know, uh, Clowney went in the first round. Betty Ako not was unchosen. Uh, and, uh, Alabama also lost Noah Gurley from, uh, its front court this offseason after he completed his eligibility. So, um, uh, Nelson, Matt, he, he's Alabama's third transfer portal pickup, uh, joining, uh, Hofster guard Aaron Estrada. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him. Actually, all three of these guys at Cal State Fullerton guard Latrell Wrightsville Jr. And, uh, I think that, uh, uh, that, that Nate Oates, he's just, he done a really, really good job in rebuilding this roster in basically an eye blink. I mean, this, this was gutted, Matt. And, and now with the addition of Nelson, it, it's like you, you feel like there is not going to be this huge noticeable drop off from the performance of last season uh, to this upcoming season, Matt. 
Well, and you couple that with the five-star commit and Jaron Stevenson, um, four or five, uh, who's ever report you're, you're reading. Yeah. But uh, he's another big guy inside. See, now you got a couple of power forwards, and I'm sure they can also serve as rim protectors, too, with the departure of Angry Chuck. So, um, really all good news, and uh, I think you got a, a very good point guard and really good shooter and Mark Sears coming back. So um, you're right. Didn't take him long, but it looks like he's going to have a contender again this year. Um, it's hard yeah. to think that they could be better than a team that included the best player in American college basketball last year in Brandon Miller. But um, And, and I'm, I'm a big clowny guy. I just thought he was a fantastic player. So yeah. you, I don't know if you can lose those two and be picked to go to the Final Four, but I certainly think this is an NCAA-bound team. Uh, yes, and I think it's a team that uh, can contend for the SEC. Uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's going to take time for them to come together. Uh, it's going to take time for them to gel. And so uh, they may not get out of the gate extremely fast just because it's all new guys playing with each other. But, I mean, I, I don't know if, if this offseason could have gone much better for Nate Oates. And uh, and it just the, uh, the, the work he has done sort of, you know, year in and year out, it really – he's solidifying himself – in a relatively fast fashion as one of the top coaches in all of college basketball and a type of guy that uh, Kentucky may come calling after, right? Uh, a type of guy who uh, is, at, I think, at some point, if he keeps it going, and there's no indication that this won't keep going, at some point he is going to receive just an, a, a massive job offer. And then uh, we'll, we'll see if, if Alabama can, can pony up uh, and and match that, but uh, what what uh, just a, it's just more good news as I mentioned for Alabama. Yeah, you know, take a quick dive into this pool, Lars. Um, you get the feeling, and I think it's true that Nate really likes Alabama. He likes coaching in the SEC. He likes Tuscaloosa. Um, and he's not a Southerner by nature. Neither was Nick Saban, but. Um, if somebody does, uh, right. Uh, if somebody, uh, came along like a UK, um, is, is the money and the offer to coach at that heritage, that blue blood school just going to be too much? Ooh. I don't That's know. That's a question you really don't want to yeah, answer. Yeah. Do I don't, uh, I, I have trouble asking I, it. I think, I think that a lot of, a lot will depend on the new arena. And, uh, where things stand with the new arena, um, if it is actually, you know, ground has been broken and, and all that, uh, because, uh, that is one area that Alabama is deficient when it, just when it comes to pure facilities. I mean, I like going to Coleman. I'm sure you do too, but, uh, right. it, it's just not, it, 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 it's not, it, 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 out of all the arenas in the SEC basketball arenas, when you say Coleman is uh, at the bottom, oh, uh, or near the bottom, 
I, I mean, don't you, know. You come, a couple in Mississippi that are yeah. Uh, well, just just compare. Go go across the state, okay? Everything well, is everything's oh, yeah. compared to Auburn. I mean, their arena is, is maybe awesome. the, maybe the best in the country, and uh, I think Alabama should just look at that, and copy that, or get the architecture who came up with that one, and say, hey. All the mistakes you made at Auburn, uh, correct them and put them in ours. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I might be a little off base, but I think one area because the floor and the fans, the fans really spread out too quick, in my opinion. It needs to kind yes. of go up like Auburn does. But because uh, the the playing surface and all that is is as good as any. But uh, I think where they're lacking is with, uh, you know, skyboxes and luxury boxes and those kind of suites. Um, I know they, they tried to do something when they did a refurbish a few years ago. Uh, but that's an area that they are lacking because I love the floor. I used to love it. Uh, I don't think you were not here yet, but I used to love it when they had the plaid and parquet and the floor was like the Boston Garden. It looked really cool. Of course, Wimp fit that, and that was all part of the marketing there. But um, I, I think they need to go ahead and commit to that. But uh, that's throwing a lot of money, and with every day it goes up. Uh, with construction costs and interest rates and all that kind of stuff. So um, hopefully uh, they'll get that going. Uh, Lars, uh, you and I talked about this earlier on our podcast, which is at twister.fm from Ryan and James Spann. Give it a listen. But uh, talked a little bit about some baseball notes. And um, whether you're a baseball fan or not, if you see that the California Angels are playing somewhere where you can watch, you need to see Shohei Atani. You've probably all heard about him, but he is the Babe Ruth of our generation. He can pitch, and man, can he hit. And last night, perfect example. He started as the pitcher there. He went 6.1 innings. He only gave up four hits, one run, and he had 10 strikeouts. Then he turned around his first plate appearance. He went yard. Next one, he got a single. And then the next one, he walked. And the next one, he had another home run. So uh, he was three for three with two home runs and two RBI. So that is a guy worth watching. And I laid this one on you earlier. He has the potential to become one of the top five baseball players of all time. And I'm including the all times, like Ruth and Mantle. And Aaron and Mays. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just uh, you, you look at uh, where his career is is right now. I mean, he, he's only 28, so he's entering the the prime years, and uh, and just uh, it, 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 so far uh, in Major League Baseball. And this was as of uh, I think actually last night. That his uh, his as a pitcher, he's 35 and 17, ERA of 2.97, strikeouts 568. As a hitter, he's hitting 272 in his career, and that, I would expect that average to go up. Uh, 155 home runs already, oh, and uh, and a 406 RBIs, and so uh, he is uh, he is something. I mean, he bats left, throws right. Uh, and just, and you and I were talking about how fortunate the Angels were to have him. Uh, it was basically, 
that when when he uh, decided to come over from Japan, uh, he, he essentially there was essentially thirty teams bidding for his services. He wasn't tied to any team, and he decided to go to uh, the Los Angeles Angels, where's number seventeen, and um, and he. I, I think a lot of it is because it's a. Uh, I think there's a, a pretty a big uh, a Japanese American population there, and also it's a quicker, easier flight to it's get close, to Japan. Yeah, it's closer, easier to get <laughs> Not to like Japan. Not like fly home on an off day, though. Right. Hey, we got to right. take a break. Mike Rodax on the other side. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. A Town Square Media Station. Back on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sandsting, Union Home Mortgage. Appreciate Mike Rodak joining us from Bama 24-7. Mike, how's it going? You staying cool? Yeah, been inside today. Try to keep it that way the next couple of days. It's going to be a little toasty outside. Hey, uh, we just uh, heard the news that uh, Grant Nelson has decided that he indeed will use the transfer portal to go to Alabama. Um, it seemed like it took a while for that to actually happen, but in the long run, I guess it's just good news for Alabama basketball. Yeah, I think there might have been some technicalities behind the scenes. I know there was some speculation about um, you know academic uh, hurdles that kind of needed to be overcome there. I'm not entirely you know, certain myself why it took so long, you know, compared to a couple of weeks ago when he seemed to make his actual decision. But in either case, I mean, it's not like they're playing a basketball game tomorrow, so it's, it's not a big deal. Um, but, yeah, a player who, you know, is at this point, I'd say, is their best player for next season. So they just went out and got their best player. Um, different from their best player last year, Brandon Miller, you know, was, was big. He was long, but he's more of a guard. Grant Nelson is big and long, and he's He's more of a shooting, a shooting big, a guy who can um, kind of post up, not post up, a guy who can face the basket and drive and can handle the ball. Um, he can shoot. He wants to shoot. His shooting has not been as good lately in his career as it was early in his career, and that's going to be the big question for him. But um, you know, they needed they needed size. You know, after losing Clowney and, and Bediaco and. Uh, Noah Gurley, and, and they've certainly gotten some, uh, but just a different style player than, than what they had last year. 
Yeah, Mike, you have a nice story up on uh, 247sports.com about uh, Grant Nelson making it official and committing to Alabama. Um, what, what more can you tell us about? Is he going to play the four? You think, and, and can you run through who, I, I, and if you can, it's no big deal. I, I certainly couldn't do this right now, but who you project in your mind will be the starting five? Ooh, that's a dude. Yeah, I would say, I would say in, in, in most games, I think we'll see him at the four. Um, and, you know, he didn't do this a lot last year. I think Nate really kept the same lineup for all of last year up until. Um, you know, when Jaden Bradley got swapped out for Quinterly, but the year before, like, there was different lineups a lot. So it may not be the same thing every night, but I would expect Brent to play the four. Um, I'd say the closest comparison style-wise, role-wise, is, is what Noah Clowney did last year. Um, but also, you know, Nelson almost wants to play like a guard. Like, he watched his film. He's, he's driving, he's moving the ball. Um, can dribble, you know, he's a high, higher turnover guy. I don't know if you want him to be like the, the primary, you know, creator on offense who's, who's really handling the ball like Miller was last year, but he can certainly play out in the perimeter and, and kind of be that sort of guy. So he's not going to be the underneath the rim, um, you know, Charles Bediaco type. I think that role is going to be more Dick Pringle. So, you know, Pringle at the five, Nelson at the four. And then you have your three guards out there, which right now it would seem like, you know, Ryland Griffin has a good shot to start at the wing. And then Mark Sears and, and Aaron Estrada. Um, and they also have Latrell Wrightsell uh, coming in from, from Cal State. So that would be the lineup. But I, I could also see them going with four guards. Because sometimes Oates will do that, too, where he goes a little bit smaller. And you put Nelson at the five. And so in that case, you have a five that can go out in the perimeter and can do things offensively that are, are going to be matchup issues for whoever's covering him defensively. Uh, conversely, you're also probably going to have matchup issues against like a bigger center in the SEC, like a Tolu Smith from Mississippi State. If, if Grant Nelson has to cover him, that's, again, not necessarily his style to be the Bediaco defensive center. He, he can, you know, block some shots, but he's not the guy who's just going to sit underneath the basket. And just a, a quick follow-up. Can you tell us a little bit about Hofstra guard uh, Aaron Estrada, who uh, who came uh, to Alabama via the transfer portal, and also Cal State Fullerton guard Latrell uh, Wrightsell? Yeah, I, I haven't you know dived in a, a ton to either one of those guys, but you know they're veteran guys to, to start with. Estrada is a fifth-year senior. Um, right is a senior, and so you're bringing a lot of experience in, you know, alongside Mark Sears, who's a senior himself. So, um, just in terms of, you know, guys who've, who've played a lot of college basketball, that, that backcourt's going to have a, a lot of experience. But, um, Estrada, you know, shot 37% from three last year, which if they can have a two guard shoot 37, 38%, like I think that, that can certainly, yeah. Um, put them in a pretty good spot. He's 6'3". I mean, that's... You remember a couple, a couple years ago, too, um, you know, the year before last when they had Quinterly and Shackleford and, and Keon Ellis and J.D. Davidson. They were a little bit smaller in their backcourt. I, I do think that is one potential issue, if you will, is that between Estrada and Sears and Wrightsell, uh, they're all a little bit on the shorter side. They're not going to have a lot of long guards, which I think Oates likes, but... Um, yeah, that's just how it goes. I think Riley Griffin can give them some length. And, you know, Wrightsell's coming from a, a little bit of a 
you know, in both cases, Hofstra is not a, a big time program, um, but Cal State Fullerton is certainly not either. So that's another question with both of those guys is just how does that level of play translate to them coming to the SEC? It's a little bit different than, you know, some of the other guys have gotten in the, in the portal who have come from higher levels of competition. Our guest is Mike Rodak. <clears throat> Please read 24-7, Bama 24-7, because that's where I'm getting part of the information I'm going to ask, kind of a two-fold question. Uh, the departure of Javon Quinterly surprised many. You got any inside scoop on that? And now I'm reading in your article from yesterday that a West Virginia, West Virginia's Joe Toussaint, Toussaint, is that the guy's name? Um, is, is that a possibility that he's going to come in through the transfer portal? Yeah, it certainly seems so, um, or at least he's, you know, strongly considering Alabama in the sense that he's going to make a visit. Um, he's also, I think, looking at Nebraska, Texas Tech, Kansas State, which Kansas State beat out Alabama a couple weeks ago for a transfer. And that's a program that's on the rise and making some noise. So we'll have to see what happens there. But, you know, they just started to pursue Toussaint this week, um, which really signals to me that the, the quarterly thing was not totally Expected at this point. Now, I will say, you go back a month when Quinterly was still in the the draft pool, and there was some talk back then that he would come out of the draft, but then go into the portal. Uh, instead, he came out of the draft. He did not go into the portal. He came back to Alabama, made this big announcement: "I'm coming back." Alabama fans, and so at that point, I think it was like, "All right, this is settled. We're in June now. He's not going to be leaving." And then, boom! All of a sudden, you know, over the weekend, um, he makes the decision to leave. So. I don't have any insight on whether there was any sort of conversation that, um, you know, that, that essentially, you know, Cornerly was told he's not going to start or his minutes aren't going to be great or whatever. I, I think he would have had a, a fairly big role in the team. Whether that means starting or not, that's not the most important thing. As we've seen, Cornerly's come off the bench. He started. He's played well in both cases. He's also had times when he has not been great on defense. And he's had times when he, he's turned over the ball a lot. He's had time when he hasn't shot the ball either. So, um, you know, is it the biggest loss in the world? No. Is it losing some leadership, some experience, and some skill? Absolutely. Uh, and I don't know if, if Toussaint will necessarily replace all that, but at this point, you just need to go out and find who you can find. And in this case, Toussaint is coming from, you know, coaching change with Bob Huggins, and that's why he's going into the portal. Yeah, this Quinterly, uh, I don't know, situation, it, it to me, it, it, it reeks of uh, NIL money being greater somewhere else, but who, who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll we'll find that out in time. I could be totally wrong on that. That's just uh, that's just a gut feeling. Uh, I, I don't know if we've had a chance to talk to you, Mike, uh, since uh, Julian Sain, uh performed so well at the Elite Eleven. Uh, maybe we have, but it's it's certainly worth revisiting. Um, how, how big a deal is that that he was named that he's a, he's a he's an Alabama commit and he was uh, it named the MVP of the Elite Eleven, which brings together I believe the 20, uh, 20 of the best high school quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, I mean that's it's another sign that you know they're recruiting at, at quarterback and, and what they've been able to bring in in that position is is still there. Um, not that there was a ton of doubt but you know there's a little bit of a lull i think when you have bryce for a couple years and you know you're not recruiting necessarily the the top quarterbacks not getting the top quarterbacks uh like you said there's questions with nil on that end too when you have a guy 
like Nico, who goes to Tennessee for whatever it was, $8 million. You have Arch Manning goes to Texas, and Rayola now going to Georgia. Um, and Alabama is like, all right, you know, we still need to show that we're, we're able to get the, the top quarterbacks. And this, this seems to suggest that they still can. Um, that Julian Fain is as advertised and, um, will come in probably in January and in, in six months here and, um, immediately be, uh, I would say the favorite to start in 2024. Um, and that's, that's important because obviously this year there's, there's a lot of questions at that position. Um, you know, where that leads, where that would have led, you know, next year, if they hadn't gotten a top recruiter quarterback, who would have known? But it, it's been a big change. I mean, 10 years ago to have Alabama be getting the, the level of quarterbacks that they are getting now is something I don't think a lot of people expected, but then they go out and, you get Tua and they get Bryce and um and, and now get Julian saying and it's it's different. Um so that's that's important. You mentioned Rayola in the transfer, uh not the transfer, but you just mentioned him as a hot shot gonna be Georgia quarterback. He transferred from Arizona to Buford High School, uh about an hour northwest of uh of Atlanta. Um, I know that's happened before because the Tongue of Iola's did that, but uh, is this just a, a, a kind of a case-by-case situation, or are we going to see more of this? Uh, you know, it, it's it's a good question. I, I, I think it's case-by-case case to some extent, but, you know, there can be some benefits for a guy to, to go to a, a, a school like the one in, you went to in Georgia where you're playing against higher level of competition and you're able to kind of get yourself on the radar a little bit more than you might have if you're playing, you know, Tua's case in, in Hawaii or in Rayola's case in Arizona or wherever else it might be where um, high school football is just not, you know, it's not like it is in Georgia, not like it is in Texas, not like it is in Southern California because you look at most of the top recruits, um, you know, the guys who are going to the top schools in the country and they seem to come from one of those places. Uh, Florida also included, I'd say, in, in those those states. So, um, you know, just like the transfer portal and you're a player who wants to go to a, a better school to get notice for the NFL, I think the same principles apply to high schoolers. And, you know, is it pure in the sense that, you know, this guy grew up in a specific town and he should keep going to that high school and there's a pride aspect, an amateur? Like, yeah, I think that's that's true to an extent. But I think people also realize that, you know, if you're at that level of a, a prospect, then you know you kind of have to do what's what's best for you. And I believe in his case, his dad, you know, played in the NFL, and um, it's, it's already within the family. So I think they understand, um, you know, what they needed to do there. Yeah, as a native Nebraskan, his dad's name is on Memorial Stadium, <laughs> so uh, uh, a lot of Nebraska people were not happy that Rayola chose not to go to the Huskers, but uh, you can't blame him for going to Georgia either. Um, Mike, I, I know that uh, in your in your new role at 24-7 Sports, you're paying a little, paying a little bit more attention to recruiting. Uh, where are we right now uh, in, in, the, in the recruiting calendar, and uh, is there any important sort of dates that uh, we should be aware of? Uh, dead period now, which is, I think, good for people who cover recruiting, but also I'm sure Nick Saban's <laughs> yeah. enjoying the, uh, the dead period as well. He's been certainly one to, uh, voice his displeasure, you know, in recent years over how recruiting's become such a year-round thing and, 
you know, June. They're they're so busy with visits, so that that's slowed down. Um, you know, they haven't gotten a ton of commitment lately relative to you know what's been happening in the rest of college football. This is a pretty busy time for that, but you know, as it usually is they they start off a little bit slow in terms of the rankings. Um, looking at where they are right now, 32nd in the country. But, you know, by the time December rolls around, we're probably going to see them in the top three. Um, you know, I think the big name that everybody is kind of watching for is the um, the linebacker who's committed to, to Georgia. Um, Riddick, I believe his name is. And, you know, he had visited on A-Day and got the, um, you know, the personal ride, you know, in Nick Saban's Mercedes over to the stadium. Uh, Demarcus Riddick from Clanton and uh, five-star linebacker. So um, that's the big name that I think a lot of people you know are watching. But also Ellis Robinson, another one, uh, top five cornerback in the country who's committed to Georgia, um, but seems to you know, have Alabama on his radar still. So those those are the big fish that are kind of out there right now. Final question, and we'll let you go. Mike Rodak from Bama 24-7. Um, I don't know why I continue to be amazed, but I actually think that uh, you could get thousands and or maybe hundreds of thousands of people subscribed to a re- reality show uh, showing Nick Saban what he's doing away from a football field. Uh, we all know about the, the Italy thing, and I, I kind of understand that, but it, latest video to go viral is, is him uh, using the virtual reality punching bag or whatever. Um, can you tell us here uh, on this uh, Wednesday, the 28th of June, wh- where's Nick? I, I would guess that he's either at his lake house in Georgia or his lake house in Alabama. Um, I doubt that he's in Florida at his, his uh, beach house down there. It doesn't seem like a a good time of year to be down in Florida. You'd be sweating. Granted, you're probably sweating here, too. But, um, you know, I, I, I remember somebody told me once um, who, had, who was pretty close to Saban that he's he's really good at uh, compartmentalizing, you know, when it's football time and when it's family time. And it, I think they use the analogy of, you know, one drawer opens, the other's closed, and then, you know, the other drawer closes and the other one opens. And I think he's certainly in, in that category now where it's, it's family time and golf time or late time, whatever it might be. And that's kind of fully where he commits his, his attention to. But, yeah, I, I did see the video of the, the virtual reality, which I think it was it was posted by Kristen Saban, his daughter. I think it was from Christmas, um, you know, based on the, the decor in the room. Um, so, uh, yeah, you a little bit old too? in that sense. But, yeah, it's certainly it. something that is uh, fun for right. to watch, knowing that he, he doesn't love technology. Probably took Kristen that long to get his approval to post it. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably true. Yeah, that's uh, that's very true. All right, I, I don't Mike. think she's posting things without his approval anymore. We've been down. Not that anymore. Road. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, hey, Mike, uh, you've recently made the move from AL dot com to twenty four seven Bama twenty four seven dot com. Uh, tell everybody how they can read you and Kirk McNair and Talty, etc. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's Bama two four seven dot com. You can you can find us on on Twitter at the same address, and um, on Twitter at Mike Rodak is where you can find me specifically. All right, thank you for your time as always. Yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Really, really good information. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. In, thank you. Indeed. All right, come I got, on. Some, I got something for you. 
Can we do that on are the you, other side of the brain? Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it has to do with uh, quarterbacks switching schools. And also, uh, we need to make mention of one quarterback who switched schools who tragically lost his life yesterday. Oh, geez. Such a, such a tough story. All right. We'll be back. You're listening to Big News Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 23037. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot afternoon with a sunny sky, the high today 95. Fair tonight, the low 70. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, the high 99. And Friday, partly sunny, a few isolated afternoon storms are possible, the high near 100. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 92 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big News Sports, Matt and Lawrence Sepp. Appreciate you dialing us in as uh, we run until 2 o'clock. And Lars has a transfer story for us. Yes. Um, and this is, uh, it comes courtesy of uh, 24-7 Sports. They do a great job. And uh, in, in they came up with a list of the uh, 15 or really 16 most significant uh, quarterbacks who have transferred from our most important uh, quarterback transfers from one school to another. So the, the the college football's top sixteen transfer quarterbacks of all time. Matt, you want? Can I can I try and guess at the first one? Yeah, but let me let me just uh, okay. uh, yes. Uh, let, let me just get in real quick. Uh, one of them is, is Ryan Mallett, and we need to uh, unfortunately uh, touch on this story. Um, you know, Ryan Mallett uh, yesterday, he drowned in Destin, Florida, and uh, was pronounced dead after being transported to a local hospital. He was 35 years old. Uh, Arkansas's all-time leading uh, quarterback. He started his career at Michigan, transferred to Arkansas. Arkansas, and and just was a spectacular college player. Um, And uh, according to the uh, Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office, um, first responders were called uh, to the beach in Destin around 2 p.m. Eastern with uh, reports that a group of people near the sandbar were struggling to make it back to shore. And uh, once that uh, Ryan Mallett was brought back to shore, he was unresponsive because he had been underwater uh, for so long and he was not breathing uh, when they pulled him out. 
And of course, uh, life-saving measures were immediately undertaken, but uh, sadly, he was pronounced uh, deceased uh, at the emergency room there at uh, Destin Hospital. And, uh, you know, just as a, this really isn't important given what just happened, but, you know, his legacy as a college player was very much secure because um, he, again, was just a star for the Razorbacks in 2009. He threw for 36, over 3,600 yards, 30 touchdowns, um, led uh, your, uh, the Hogs to uh, an 8-5 and five record. He's even better the next year, threw for nearly 3,900 yards, 32 touchdowns, uh, leading Arkansas to a 10-3 and three record. Um, and so he, uh, but by the time he was done as the Raider, Razorbacks quarterback, he had broken virtually every pro- program passing record. And I, I don't know if we really want to get in too much into rip currents, but uh, they, they have been really, really hazardous and dangerous for the last two weeks uh, along the Gulf Coast. Uh, 11 people have lost their life in the last two weeks uh, because of these hazardous uh, rip, rip, riptide conditions. And uh, the deaths have spawned uh, uh, between Fort Morgan, Alabama and Panama City Beach, Florida. And uh, again, Matt, I, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into exactly, you, you know more about this than I do, about what to do when you're caught in a rip current. And uh, essentially a, a rip current, uh, it it uh, is a uh, it's like a small scale surf zone current. It forms as waves disperse across the beach and, and cause water to become trapped between the beach and a sandbar or some other underwater underwater feature so that the water converges into a narrow um, like a river like channel moving away from the shore it's like a tube at a high speed yeah you're just you're pushed out at a high speed and what happens is uh, for those who aren't familiar like myself with a rip current and I I, I beyond lucky that I've never been in a rip current because I, I don't know how I would react but um, the the rip current won't pull you underwater but even the strongest of swimmers Matt, they're going to pull you so far away from the beach and it's it's beyond the breaking waves and uh, and then uh you know, uh, and these, they often form at, at, at breaks in, in sandbars and, and they're close to piers and, 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 and rock, they're called rock groins. But, uh, the best way, uh, to, uh, sort of overcome this is, is, uh, in, in this was from our, our friend, uh, Robbie Glenn texted both of us earlier this morning when, you know, we were discussing uh, Ryan Mallett's passing. He, he just said, and, and Robbie grew up in Pensacola, uh, grew up in San Diego, lives in Alabama. He knows a lot about rip currents. It's like, you know, it just, it, it, the rip current will take you a little way out, right? And then you, uh, once it, you're released from it, you then swim at an angle back towards the shore 
away from where the rip current had just taken you, right? So you're almost doing like a, a V. If you would start at the shore, rip current takes you out, say, uh, you know, a little bit that way, a little bit, you know, at a 45 degree angle, then you swim, swim back, uh, at, away from it. And the thing is, if, if you, if you fight it as, uh, as we know, you lose. And have you, <coughs> excuse me, Matt, <coughs> excuse me, have you ever been caught in a rip current before? A small one, but, um, I was still, um, I was like waist deep. Uh, and believe me, you can take them waist deep and, and it can take you out too. But, uh, I knew immediately what it was. I didn't fight it. I just tried to walk at an angle away from it because I could literally walk. But, uh, they're extremely dangerous. And I'll say two things. And obviously just prayers with the Mount family is just, uh, it's just, and now let me tell you this 35 year old former NFL quarterback, he tried to fight it. You don't. You don't, don't fight it. That's the one thing. Let it carry you out just like Lars did. I mean, if an athlete like that, uh, can't overcome it, then as you said, best swimmers in the world can't either. So, uh, don't fight it. But first of all, look at the flags when you're walking out there. If there are red flags, don't go. But it's hard to make these points in light of seven deaths along our coast. And right now, it's, uh, our, our best and, and thoughts and prayers go to the Ryan Mountain family. Do you have any idea in, I hate, you do, we, we do this to each other all the time. We ask each other questions where we, we probably no don't clue. know, yeah, we don't know the answer to, but I, I just wonder why the rip current is so bad right now and so dangerous. I just, I don't remember it being this dangerous at this time of year down on the Gulf Coast as it is right now. I think right the, now. The, the, the answer to that is there's just more people. Um, it exists, but I mean, right now, right before the 4th of July, there are thousands and thousands of people that have their family down there. But, and particularly when you've got children, I mean, it's, you, you got to be ultra, ultra careful. But I think the reasons, now there may be a, a, an actual ocean tide thing going on uh, with the moon that I'm totally unaware of. But right now, I would say the numbers are up uh, for the most part because the number of people are, uh, I mean, it's, you've seen the pictures. <laughs> there are people yeah. everywhere. Stay under yeah. your umbrella and go tiptoe into the water, but don't go past we waist deep. And I'm not even sure that's safe. But if it says red flags, then don't go at all. Yeah. How about it's that? Against, Build a sandcastle. It's against the law uh, to begin with. I think it's like a $200 fine or something. I think they've upped them to 500 now. Okay, yeah, yeah, if it's double, if it's double red. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, find a swimming pool. Um, I don't know. I'm not a there beach guy. There are a lot guy. of them down I'm there. Not a, I'm not a beach guy to begin with. So, uh, yeah. But, well, uh, okay. In honor of Ryan, Ryan Mallett, we'll, we'll do this on the other side. Uh, top 15 quarterback transfers of all time. I'll see if Matt can guess. Mm, I can guess a few. Let's, let's see, let's see how good you are. I'll tell you number 15. I'll just give this one to you as a little tease. It's one of my all-time favorite players. Vince, and one of my all-time favorite names. Vince Ferragamo. Well, we are going deep on this, aren't we? It's not just like in the last couple of years where transfers no, have become is, very popular. This is popular. all time. This is all time, man. Vince, Vince Ferragamo. Is that the, the guy Bowl. that was uh, staying in your apartment, Vinny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
We'll be back with more big news. Naked, naked, naked. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Stephen Mesmer clothing around town on game days. Check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing. Union Home Mortgage. Um, Lars, I'm going to let you set this up again, uh, actually, in order to give me a little bit more time to think. Because if, if this is all time transfers, then, because um, I was just going to give you the ones here locally. I mean, yeah, okay. So I, I, I will what, say what's the criteria? That, 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 that Ferragamo was uh, um, uh, an outlier. Really, everything else is from about well uh, 2000 and 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 2000 and, and ahead uh, except for another Nebraska quarterback who I'm sure you'll be able to name but uh and there are a couple a uh, couple from Alabama a uh, couple one from Auburn uh but yeah so we'll, we'll start at number 1 and All right. I I'll got a give shot. Uh, okay, go ahead. I, I didn't need no hints because my immediate thought was maybe Quinn Ewers, uh, but Caleb Williams. <laughs> I mean, he transferred and won a Heisman, right? I would think he'd have to be up there. But overall, when I think of transfers that just absolutely lit it up, my first choice would be Troy Aikman. Okay, he's on the list. Uh, what about a quarterback who transferred and won the Heisman and also won the national championship and became the number one overall draft pick. Well, you'd think that that kind of information would lead me to just hit the buzzer immediately. But, um, and who happens to be someone that I have the biggest man crush on in the history of oh, man Oh, Joe crushes. Burrow. Oh, yeah, Joe Burrow. I got to God, how for could, every reason on earth, how can I miss that? I could do like, this that's just ridiculous. That's the whole reason we're doing this bit, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I know. I bet you had to bite your lip through two segments just not to say it. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. It's a, it's, great, it's, it's a great survey. 
say here? What, what yeah, else you got? So, so this comes from 24-7 Sports. That's the, the source of this. Uh, okay, so that's number one. Number two, an Oklahoma quarterback. Uh, he originally transferred from Texas Tech, a walk-on, goes to Oklahoma, becomes two-time Big 12 Player of the Year, two-time All-American, number one overall draft pick. Why don't these just come real simply to me? Oklahoma quarterback. Um, oh, who's the, who's the guy that's, uh, that tore it up here recently? Um, ba- ba- Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Yeah, because he, yep, yeah, okay. My All right. He's not working in this. Number, number three is the player that I, I've told you several times that, um, I believe he is the single greatest college football player I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Um, won a national championship. Oh, uh, did he play for Osborne? No, uh, won a Heisman, oh, wow. 2010. Oh, God. Cam, Cam really... Newton. Cam Newton. Oh, that's right. Transferred from Florida. Yeah. Uh, and number four, you just mentioned Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams could vault to number one because he already has a Heisman trophy. And if he gets a, uh, a national championship this year, and I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility. Uh, I think Caleb Williams would jump to number one. So he, he's you know who jump. You know who will yep. jump into it if he has a really good year? It's Bo Nix. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's a future top 15, though, not yeah. now. Uh, number five is a quarterback who transferred from Alabama to Oklahoma. Now, this is a layup. Now, this, this is a layup. Get the Jalen Hurts. Okay, there you go. Right, real yeah. quick. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. This is a quarterback who transferred from Georgia to Ohio State. Fields. Boom, Justin I Fields. Why, I don't know why they're getting easier. Maybe I'm, my mind is loosened up on the So, topic. this is number seven. A quarterback who transferred from NC State to Wisconsin. Oh, Joe Cap. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, um, would, it would have been uh, Roman Gabriel. I don't. Uh, from NC State uh, to uh, he, Wisconsin. He ended up, it's not Russell Wilson. Yeah, Russell there you Wilson. go. Okay. I, yeah, right. well done. Well right. done. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm horrible at these. And, and number eight on this list, uh, we just discussed, uh, Ryan Mallett transferring from Michigan to Arkansas. Rest in peace, Ryan. Uh, we're, uh, you know, you and I both are, are praying for his family. It's just such a tragedy that he lost his life yesterday. Uh, okay. So number nine, uh, this is a tough one. But this is a quarterback who went from Colorado to Hawaii, and and uh, Jimmy Chan. That, that's a really good guess, but no, he's wow. this, this quarterback oh, starred really under. Yeah, this, he, he, it, 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 this is he's Jimmy Chang or, or Jimmy Chang. <laughs> Let's see. Jimmy oh. Johns, yeah. Um, Colt Brennan. Colt Brennan. Oh. Um, yeah, he was a walk-on at Colorado uh, and then was dismissed from the team. And he went on to become a, a, two te- a two-time All-American at Hawaii, two-time WAC Offensive Player of the Year. 
holds the NCAA record for most, most 400 yard, uh, passing games at 20, uh, second all time in touchdowns responsible for 146. So Colt Brennan, it didn't work out for him in the NFL. I, I think he was too small and too slight. Uh, and he actually, uh, yeah. So anyway, Colt Brennan is nine. All right, number ten. I almost said Tommy Chong. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Chong. <laughs> what was Cheech's first name? Julian. Was it Julian? No, I have no idea. It just popped. I don't know. Nice, uh, nice dreams is like my favorite of all time. Um, okay, so number ten quarterback who transferred from Stanford to Nebraska uh, and this is a uh, a person who has threatened to sue me uh, transferred from Stanford to Nebraska Stanford. threatened to sue me led Nebraska to a national title and went back and became Nebraska's head coach oh um, guy from a couple of years ago <laughs> yeah, Scott Frost uh, Scott Frost yeah uh, number 11, you named him earlier, and I think he should be way, way up higher. Troy Aikman. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't and, understand and, the ranking there. Maybe it's because he didn't actually light, light, he did it up everywhere he went, particularly when he got into the NFL, but he, he, he transferred from Oklahoma to UCLA. I, um, that would have been my number one. I'm not so sure it still wouldn't be. Yeah, he, he might be too, just because, uh, I, I remember, gosh, I remember him running, uh, Barry Switzer's offense and he was running the wishbone. Yep. And, uh, he ended up breaking his leg. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, Aikman is a West Coast guy. And he ended up uh, transferring uh, after uh, uh, his, uh, I think, second season at Oklahoma. And um, then, you know, he went on and threw for over 5,000 yards at UCLA. It was the Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year, All-American. And then obviously went on and had an amazing uh, uh, NFL career. All right, number 12. This is somebody that you know, somebody that you've interviewed, transferred from Florida State to Alabama. Coker. Yep, Jake Coker. Uh, and uh, would you say that Coker is the most successful transfer of Nick Saban era? Uh, I don't know. Williams was big. Uh, Williams uh, but Coker very... won a national championship. So yeah. uh, uh, that list is short, but I would say those two, and uh, maybe because he played quarterback, I'm not dissing wide receivers at all. I'd probably maybe go Coker. With Coker. Would be. Yeah. I don't think Alabama wins the national championship that year without Coker. Boy, it sure was a good fit at the time, wasn't and, it? And he, he, played his, he played his best in the postseason games. He really did. Um, okay, number 13, I, I, I thought that this should be much higher, uh, this player, because uh, he got Auburn to the national championship game. He was a uh, at Georgia. He was a defensive back, and he transfers to Auburn. 
Who am I talking about? Oh, gosh. Names are escaping me here. Franklin, is that his last? I can't. Uh, uh, Nick Marshall. Marshall. Nick Marshall, yeah. Yeah, and he was responsible for the, the prayer at Jordan Hare, right? When uh, uh, the, one of the most famous plays in Auburn history, which was, uh, what, two weeks before the kick six. Uh, yeah, yeah, and bounced off two, two, uh, yeah, to Georgia, to Georgia defense. Yeah, it, it, it was underthrown. Yeah, all, all the guys got to do is just, just knock the ball down, but they collided. I think they collided, right? And they it hit the ball up in the air. <laughs> it was just, uh, I, I, I thought Nick Marshall would make it into, uh, in, in the, uh, in the league, uh, maybe there's has something to do with the fact that he was a DB and then he went to quarterback. Maybe people just don't put him high on the list. I don't know if that's the reason or not, but that's what I'm going with. All right, uh, so just uh, we got two more here. Uh, so number fourteen, this is a guy who transferred from Purdue to Illinois, and he ended up being the number one overall draft pick in the NFL by the Colts. Wow, something tells me this was a while ago. He had a great mustache. Yeah, this would be like in the late 80s, early 90s. Oh. He could throw the ball. Gardner Minshew. No. (laughs) Jeff George. Jeff George. Oh, God, what a basket case. Yeah. What an arm. Number 15 was Ferragamo. 16 was uh, Nick Foles. Who could forget Nick Foles when he transferred from Michigan State to Arizona? Uh, Speaking of the transfer (laughs) part of it, I I remember when Aikman transferred. Everybody's going, he's leaving Oklahoma, a powerhouse, to go back to UCLA? Um, That was a transfer that everybody was buzzing about back then. Uh, Now everybody just sees transfer and goes, okay, who's going where? What's going on? Transfers are just uh, part of everyday life. Hey, that was one of the better uh, survey questions that uh, we've had. Yeah, yeah. and and I want to definitely give credit where credit is due. Like I said, it was from uh, 24-7 Sports and uh, by uh, Brad Crawford. So uh, uh, a a fun list and lists are always... uh, enjoyable to go over this time of the year uh, agree disagree but uh i i think he he got i think he did a pretty good job here i do too um good. yeah so uh there you have it <laughs> i don't know where it is but somewhere in this house is one of my favorite publications and it's just called the book of lists and it isn't just sports although they are included uh it's just books it's just lists like what's the windiest city in the world well it's not chicago or in the united states and a bunch of great information like that i need to find it uh because we are getting into those dog days of summer in more ways than one okay what is the windiest city in the world it was oklahoma city but I don't know if that's still true or not. But I can hear you banging away on your keypad, so you'll tell us when we Wellington, back. New England, New Zealand. Wellington, New Zealand. Oh, that's in the world. Okay, what in, yeah. What about America? Save that for the other side of the break. And then I've got another one of those annoying questions. This one will be for you that I have no idea what the answer <laughs> is to it. You're All listening right. to Big Noon Sports on a steamy Wednesday. Covering SEC sports by Kitsu on the roadside. 
This is Big Noon Sports. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A hot afternoon with a sunny sky. The high today, 95. Fair tonight, the low 70. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. The high, 99. And Friday, partly sunny. A few isolated afternoon storms are possible. The high near 100. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 89 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Wednesday edition of Big Noon Sports. Thanks for all of you dialing us in. Tuscaloosa, our flagship station there, Tide 100.9. We're on in East Alabama in the Gadsden and Anniston areas as well. Lars, you know, we talk so much in really uh, nauseatingly enough uh, about NIL. Uh, when we were uh, talking earlier today about the NCAA, Texas, NIL, collectives, all that. I thought of something, and it may have been going on. It may have been going on for a long, long time. But do are there NIL deals for people that are not in sports? Let's say you've got a Sheldon Cooper. You know that name from Big Big Bang Theory? Yeah. Just somebody that's absolutely brilliant. And this does happen. People start throwing scholarships like Harvard. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt, Alabama, they, they want you to come there. So they're going to, you know, they're going to give you a full ride. Have you heard of one that says, okay, uh, we're going to give you that. But, uh, hey, how, how about $100,000 to be a spokesperson for such and such technologies? You ever heard anything like that? I have not. But uh, I, I would think that non-athletes should be able to obtain deals to profit off their name, image, and likeness, just like uh, anyone anyone else, right? And, yeah, they, uh, they they probably have been doing it. I mean, they they did it before it was allowed in in, in college football. I yeah. would think. Yeah, we yeah. just don't. Well, obviously, that doesn't make headlines. Lars yeah. Anderson signs with Columbia. Uh, and a deal with Simon and Schuster on the side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, just to wrap a bow on this, uh, the windiest city in the United States is uh, it's the same name of the city that I had to go through in Alabama, exit 299 on I-65 when I had a place up at Smith Lake. And uh, I remember one time my my niece from uh, Washington D.C. Oh, I know who it is. She was like she was like thirteen years old. Turn off the exit, and she's like, "Wait a minute, we're going to Dodge City? I thought you wanted to get out of Dodge, not go to Dodge." Yeah, that's your niece. Very clever. Yeah, yeah, and I thought that was great. But the windiest city is Dodge City, Kansas. Uh, Average wind speed of thirteen point one miles per hour. And uh, Dodge City, uh, I've actually been to Dodge City, Kansas, and it is squarely in the middle of uh, the windiest terrain in the country, and that is the the, the high plains of uh, southern Kansas. So, uh, yeah, there you go. More uh, more information that you can take to the uh, the bar tonight for trivia to impress your friends. Well. And I'm going to find my book of lists because it's got all kinds of amazing lists. We can get I, think that. I think I in the know that sports. book. I think yeah, I know that book. I think everybody at one time either read it or had it. Yeah. Um, but I always thought it was a cool book. Good time of year to do it because uh, lists in sports 
I don't know if we want to wear out the transfer stuff, but uh, what about running backs? It all seems to be about quarterbacks, but uh, maybe we walk down that street or uh, the, the 10 best college basketball players. Because I think that would, that would differ in my book greatly from NBA players because the greatest player I ever saw was Pistol Pete Maravich. Yeah. Um, he was unbelievable. So, that being said. Steve Alford. Steve Alford oh, was a man. really good player he could throw in, high, a swing in college. Yeah. Uh, oh. Gosh, there are so many uh, in college that just didn't have the same production in the NBA uh, for some reason. You remember Ed, a guy Ed, named Ed, Xavier Ed, McDaniel? Oh, the X Man. Yeah, yeah. At Wichita State played for Seattle Supersonics. Um, yeah, he was really, really good. Uh, what about those Villanova teams? Like Ed Pinkney, uh, who about that NC State team, Valvano's team that ended up winning Had, the, uh, uh, what's Lorenzo Charles? Yeah, Lorenzo Charles, uh, uh, Thurl Bailey, um, that may, that 30 for 30 on that team is one of my favorites of all time. I hope I'm not misspeaking, but if I am, so be it. But I think uh, on the bench for that team was a freshman from Tuscaloosa, Alabama named Walt Dinsmore. He may be listening to the show for all I know. <laughs> But he was a heck of a high school player. I think he he might have ended up transferring. Uh, I don't know. But uh, there are a lot of... You know, who Leon Douglas was an unbelievable college player. And he played some in the NBA. But I would say his college career was more productive than his NBA career. Uh, you know, that's a pretty deep pool. We could dive down that. Well, what the heck? We're already doing it. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking up Walt Densmore. Uh, let's see, what year was that team of 83? Is that 8384 or 82? Yeah, it was yeah. 8384. Uh, yeah, Walt, he played in one game and, uh, and took two free throws and made one of them, I believe. <laughs> so, uh, not, he didn't see a lot, a lot of action. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of talent on that team. Free throws attempted. Oh, he missed both of his free throws. Oh, so he, he did, he did not score. <laughs> uh, but I bet he has a ring. So, hey, practice players in every sport are so fundamentally important to the overall success of a team. Because it, it's those guys, and it, they got it. If they take their job seriously, it makes everybody else better. And coaches notice that. That's how you work your way up. I mean, Coach Saban is constantly talking about uh, the guys running the scout team and, and how critical they are to the success of the program. Yeah, and a lot of those guys are non-scholarship. I don't know if they're uh, that way at Alabama. I imagine there's a few. Um, I, I knew a guy in college that uh, played four years and never got on the field. He did get to dress out for his final home game. That was it. I think he actually did get one carry. I don't know. I have to go back and look that up. Lars, great day. Enjoy the heat. I'm staying out of it. Thank you, Seth. All right, everybody be safe hours. out there. Yep. Bye-bye.